Welcome to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. My name is Jacob. I am a Christian. And today, Jacob, we are... Today's episode of a Christian Buddhist walked into a bar is brought to you by the letter N. The letter N? Yeah, for no-name brand Zyrtec, (laughs) which, which is absolutely what is bringing this podcast to you today because spring is well and truly here and otherwise you'd be getting Jamal and vague muffled sounds from this side of the microphone oh i i, I also get pretty bad allergies so you know in, in a few weeks we'll we no name brand zyrtec will be will be had all round. maybe it should be a christian if, Buddhist. if you have a branded name of zyrtec and want to sponsor the podcast get in touch christian buddhist bar at gmail.com correct a, a christian and buddhist walk into a pharmacy um, <laughs> for sure um no jacob Today is also brought to you by the letter N because we have a special guest today for the whole podcast um, and it's your favourite guest of all. It is my favourite guest of all. No disrespect to other guests that we've had physically here with us but we have in spirit, if not physically in the building that we are aware of, the wonderful Nasrudin. Correct, Nasrudin or also known as Mullah Nasrudin or Nasrudin Kodja or just Nazi for short. Um, <laughs> That's one that Jamal came up with just yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Um, y- you love Nasruddin, don't you? Uh, well, let's be honest. He improves the quality of the joke. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Um, so I mean, like, so we, we've been using this name Nasruddin. He's been popping up in a few of the jokes, and Jamal and I realised that we had very little idea about who Nasruddin actually was. So we thought, well, let's let's do a an episode about Nasruddin. And um, Jamal, you've got an article here from um, Muslim Heritage telling us a bit about Nasruddin, which I think has just told us that nobody has any idea who Nasruddin actually is. Right. And, and just for a bit of background about why I started bringing Nasruddin into jokes. Um, so um, there's, a, there's a monk that I really quite like. Um, Arjun Brahm. I, no, it's actually a friend of Arjun ah. Brahm's. Um, no. Um, uh, 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 um, it's, it's become almost like the Jesus Sunday school answer of like, yeah, yeah. Arjun Brahm. No, it, 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 his name is Arjun Nasarano. Uh, he uh, at the moment lives in a uh, Buddhist monastery in the west of Melbourne, a Newbury Buddhist monastery. And, uh, you know, Arjun Brahm is known for just adding in terrible jokes. Uh, but Arjun Nasarano <laughs> gives Nasruddin stories, and that's kind of a thing. And so his version of the terrible jokes is just telling a Nasruddin story. Um, I really like Arjun Nasarano. I like his talks. Uh, so I kind of, you know, learnt of the existence of Nasruddin through his Nasruddin jokes. This is- Buddhist appropriation of an Islamic figure. I like correct, it. Yeah. correct. Buddhist appropriation of a Sufi figure. Uh, so then I started bringing in Nasruddin jokes, uh, and then and then Nasruddin just became a thing. But y- you are correct. I have an article here today, and we are going to try and find out exactly who Nasruddin was. Um, so do you, did you know anything about Nasruddin before we read this article? No. So I knew because you'd said that he was a Sufi, yeah. which kind of makes sense once once you start digging around in like the Nasruddin tradition um so sufism being a branch of islam that we might get onto later in the podcast or we might not yeah so all right so Nasruddin um what we know of Nasruddin is uh <laughs> is is that he's associated with jokes yes. like basically that's kind of his whole yeah. shtick so yes Nasruddin Kodja who's also known as Mullah Nasruddin or simply Nasruddin um is kind of the full guy or the main character in a, just a lot of uh, kind of Islamic fables and tales, right? So uh, broadly speaking, um, you know, focused from Turkey and from the Middle East, 
Um, but you know, it gets brought into a lot of different versions of of Islam, Australian um, podcasts, Australian podcasts, yeah. all that. Yeah, um, but Nasruddin kind of uh, has become the stand-in for the the wise fool. So when when an Islamic person or someone who's telling a kind of Islamic uh, kind of moral story wants to have this kind of figure of somebody who knows a bit more than society or knows a bit more than the world, then Nasruddin becomes the stand-in. And, and it's like, it, it's not fool in the sense of stupid, right? Like, Correct, yes. It's it's fool in the sense of doesn't go along with the crowd in an entertaining way. Yes, correct. Um, so what do we actually know about Nasruddin as as a real historical figure? Not a lot is the answer to that. So, um, so he, he's dated to about the 13th century. Yes. But his popularity as a figure really kicks off in the 1500s. So so, so perhaps he's associated with the Reformation, actually, uh, but, uh, in Western Europe. Yeah. Potentially, he may, maybe Nasruddin caused the Reformation. Uh, and, um, and the Ottoman Empire, particularly, as it then was, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so so the, the first kind of texts and citations we've got of Nasruddin come in around the 15th century. Uh, there's um, a, a bunch of work in around the 18th century, oh, sorry, the 19th century in 1800s from Hussein Effendi. Uh, who who kind of looks like they're doing a bit of historical digging and kind of settles on this idea that Nasruddin was probably alive in the 13th century, so that the rough dates we have here is 1208 and 1284. Um, there's a general agreement um, that Nasruddin was born in the village of Hotu, uh, which is a village in uh, Srivasa in the region of Akesir in the 13th. Do you know where any of those places are? No, I'm going to guess Turkey. I'm, I'm, yeah, well, yes. Yes. Yep. Um, and there is a general understanding that Nasruddin later moved to the city of Konya. Um, so his tomb, or at least what is claimed as his tomb, is uh, found in the city of Akesir, which is near Konya. Um, one thing I, I liked here is that his grave has an iron door with a huge padlock on it, but no walls around it, which just sounds like a very Nazrudin thing of just like lock my grave so I don't come back out as an undead, whatever. And yeah, but don't put a wall around it. Yeah, like no, it's yeah, a, yeah, 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 like the only limitation is your mind, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or maybe maybe Nazrudin is locking the grave so that the outside world doesn't get in and disturb <laughs> his peace or something, you know. Um, but look. That's kind of all that we have of a kind of historical Nasruddin, right? So, um, and and I think this maybe plays into the Nasruddin myth, where I, I, from my understanding, there's a broad acceptance in Islam and a broad acceptance in Sufism that it almost doesn't matter what whether Nasruddin was real or not. That like you know, sure, based on a real person, probably based on a real holy person or academic intellectual of the time. Yep. Um, yeah, most of these kind of figures are based in reality in some some way, um, and probably the name Nasruddin comes from a from an actual person. Um, but like, there is an acceptance that you know Nasruddin can take on this kind of literary role outside of the historical realism of who he was and i find that interesting like just as a general thing of how history works right like that nasruddin has subsumed kind of other comic figures and other stories so stories that were once upon a time not about nasruddin become about nasruddin because nasruddin is the guy that you tell these kind of stories about uh, which which almost like kind of lends maybe not legitimacy in this instance but like a it, it's like you if you want your story to be popular make sure it's got Nasruddin in it and if it doesn't kind of sub someone out so that Nasruddin can get in there yeah and 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 i i think also this this idea that like what i really like about Nasruddin is the 
it, it almost feels like the kind of the Muslim version of um, of Aesop's fables, mm-hmm. or, or of the, yeah, yeah. or even the grim fairy tales, right? Um, but but the the air of comedy in it, and the kind of the uh, the allowed way that it is based around comedy, based around poking fun at different parts of life and whatever else, you know, and I, the and absurdity I, of life, which is actually what kind of all comedians are really doing if they're doing their job well, right? Yeah, and, and I think what you're saying about subbing Nasruddin in for people, like it almost it almost lends this kind of spiritual credence to your observations of comedy and your observations of absurdity that, you know, someone can look around the world and go, oh man, the this whole thing's going to shit. But, you know, you put it, you kind of find a way to put it into an Azrudan tale and it becomes a little bit spiritual and it becomes a little bit of a lesson. And like, I don't know, I, I like that in a culture, in an Islamic culture where so much credence is given to the religion, not only in terms of, spiritual uh you know spiritual value but also statecraft and you know societal organizing and community building that that you almost have this figure emerge that allows everybody to kind of to make fun of it and to make fun of their own situation in a a weird kind of way and it's kind of interesting the role that humor sort of plays in life on that because i wasn't thinking this at all but i have read uh, it was Father's Day not long before we're recording this, uh, and the ABC had an article up about dad jokes mm. and the social function of dad jokes, which, aside from you know teaching humor to very young kids, these academics were arguing that dad jokes actually help teenagers to deal with feeling awkward in a safe kind of controlled environment. Mm. Um, as well as the use of humour, and this is a, the bit that connects to the statecraft, the use of humour to diffuse an otherwise emotionally tense situation, mm. whether that's you know somebody's upset or, or whatever it is, like having the appropriate level of humour in those situations can just change the feel or the vibe of a... And I, also, I also wonder whether, and this is a theory, I haven't seen any evidence of this, but um, I wonder whether Nasruddin can also be used by a kind of the population as a whole as a way of providing political commentary and political criticism of imams, of mullahs, of, you know, these kind of spiritual and kind of uh, community or you know, um, state leaders. Um, and you put it into a way that is safe, to do and isn't going to get Because Nasruddin's doing it. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I can absolutely see, you know, if you want to be subversive to a to a kind of Islamically run state, that if you start to tell Nasruddin stories about how Nasruddin's poking fun at, at, at the king or po- poking fun at the Ayatollah or whatever else, that, like, that it's very hard for, for the state to push back on that and it's a way for people to actually express frustration and express political discontent uh, in a situation that is tense, right? In a situation that, that does require a level of, of emotional and comedic release from it. And so on that front, it's really interesting that Nasruddin is a Sufi, right? Mm. So so tell us about Sufism. Yeah, so Sufism is, it, it's basically, so far as I can tell, the contemplative tradition within Islam. And it's kind of like ties into these traditions that exist within Christianity, definitely exist within Buddhism and, and other faiths of the kind of the the oneness of everything. Um, and that the the teachings of Islam, look, look, basically, 
it's more important to have a spiritual connection with Allah than it is to strictly follow the teachings of Islam. That seems to be what Sufism is all about. So it's kind of like the the heart aspect mm. of the religion um, really coming it, to the it, fore. It sounds, lot, it sounds a lot like you know, Buddhist Islam, yeah. Yeah, well, and and contemplative Christianity. And so you wind up, the reason I connected it here is because there was an 11th century, so slightly before Nasruddin, um, Sufi called Ansari of Herat, which is now Afghanistan, who wrote a short poem about the Islamic five pillars. And he says, fasting is a way to save on food. Vigil and prayer is a labor for old folks. Pilgrimage is an occasion for tourism. To, distribu- to distribute bread in arms is something for philanthropists. Fall in love. That is doing something. Yeah. Well. And so it's got kind of this, it's deeply subversive in some senses of the Islamic tradition, whilst at the same time actually got, well, like loves what it's all about and doing it in a humorous way. Yeah, and, and I think there's a... It's interesting, right? And I don't know a lot about the history of Islam, but I, I, from what I understand, you know, Islam takes off and is well adopted pretty quickly. Um, swords you know, will do that. Yeah, yeah, swords will do that. But also, you know, I, I think Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, you know, from what I understand, did a pretty good job of establishing himself as a political leader. Yeah. Uh, and also essentially, you know, really doing a lot of conversion quite immediately in his own time. And so, you know, I think you know, Islam becomes adopted as a political system and as a kind of real embedded cultural system very quickly Mm. and quite uh, expansively in the areas that it does. So the areas that become Islamic um, become very Islamic very quickly. Um, And so... And you had the caliphate, like, emerges within a couple of generations. Yeah, 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 really quickly. And it's like... And so I I I think from within communities and cultures that do adopt Islam in that kind of way it makes sense that there's this kind of a tradition that is inherently muslim and is very overtly islamic that you know but it is one that is trying to run a counterculture almost yeah it's like an to, islamic aestheticism yeah yeah, yeah and, and trying to establish a way of you know it's not rejecting islam it's not saying oh well you shouldn't yeah. follow the prophet or whatever else but it is going hey, there's a different way of doing this and actually there's a more kind of practical, aesthetic, you know, um, grounded way of living as a Muslim in the world that isn't just, uh, you know, in the kind of the the high-minded academic institutions and and, and the mosques and all that. And and I think this movement in kind of all, pretty much all religious practices asks the question like, well, are you keeping the main thing the main thing? Mm. Um, which comedy is a, a wonderful tool for, right? Because um, comedy almost, like, it um, it catches you off guard. Um, the, the best comedy, I'm, I'm thinking of some contemporary comedians now, um, but, like, they, they sort of, they lull you into a false sense of security that we're just, we're here to have fun and hear a good story and whatever, and then before you know it, there's actually a lesson in there for you or something that um, it, it invites you to see the world in a different way 
to what you saw beforehand. Like there, there's more than just a joke to comedy, right? Well, yeah, and, and I mean, I, the example I think about this is Tim Minchin does that very well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- actually, I think a lot of musical-based comedy does that well, which is, you know, sets up, this is a song, this is a song that you know, this is a kind of conceit of a song, and by the way, here's a punchline, or here's... And here's where I'm going to suddenly break the song in a way that you're not expecting. Yep. That's that's something you're like, oh, hold on, what's this? That's kind of funny, you know. And then and yeah, rolling in that way, I think you know, the kind of like the the Tim Minchin song that does this really well, I think, is "You Grew on Me Like a Tumor." Yeah, which yeah. like you know talks to that kind of the the unromantic side of connection as well, like the the bit that we all kind of don't want to acknowledge is there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um. So something else I've got in this article here is um, 1996 was proclaimed um, Nasruddin Hoka year by UNESCO. So yes. he gets a year from UNESCO, which I appreciate. And in 2007, he was 799 years old. So yes. you can do the math. He's, he's over 800 years old now. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it, it frustrates me a little bit, though, that we don't know a lot about Nazarene. I would have thought that for someone who is such a... Uh, yeah, and to be fair, we didn't do a lot of deep dive research here. We did, did kind of just look up a couple of articles. Um, but, like, you know, for someone who is such a big cultural figure, I, I, I am surprised that it's hard to find a lot about Nazarene. Kind of, like, yes and no, because there's a lot of big historical figures, right? Like that we don't have that much contemporary account of, right? Like everything we know about Socrates, for instance, we know from Plato, right? Because Plato yeah. loved the guy and wrote a bunch of stuff about it. Like I'd, I would, I'm sure that there are many fascinating historical figures that it's just simply lost to us hmm. because well, no one wrote it down at the time or it burnt in the fire of 400 BC or whatever. Like King Ashoka, who he spoke yeah. about the other month on the podcast, right? Like everyone had forgotten that the first Buddhist king existed for like two millennia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, like, I'm I'm not that surprised. And there's something about just the the vibe of a Nasruddin joke that he's he's got this kind of quasi mythical status. And I have to admit that in in the joke form, whenever Nasruddin's come up, I've thought of him as almost more of a spiritual being than a person. Mm. Like when Nasruddin's in the bar, I'm kind of I'm at, like he's he's there with like Michael the Archangel and Satan and the, yeah, like okay. in that kind of like yeah, not quite human. Yeah, sense. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I've just found out that um the fifth to tenth of July each year is the Nasruddin festival. Oh, so we're too late. We, 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 we missed too it. late on that. But I, yep. I, for next year, I think I definitely want to want to celebrate the Nazarene Festival. But yeah, I, I I was just spending a second there, just, just trying to look up if there was any more information. And even the Wikipedia page on Nazarene is, you know, pretty pretty light on and kind of goes, eh, maybe it didn't exist. Maybe maybe it's not there. Um, does that matter if he didn't exist? I, I don't. For, I, don't think it, I don't think it does. I think it's no. the most Nazarene thing ever to maybe have not existed. Um, so no, I think that that's definitely fine. Um, yeah, I so on your point about him as a spiritual being, though, I, I'll go back to that. It's like, I, I think he almost is a spiritual being, but is a spiritual being in his humanness. And I think maybe that's the difference there than, like, say, Gabriel or Satan or whatever else. Whereas, like, you know, Nasruddin is funny because Nasruddin points things out about humans mm-hmm. more so than Nasruddin points things out about God 
right? Or mm-hmm. Allah, right? Like, I think you know, all of the main Nezrudin stories and Nezrudin jokes are pointing out interesting faults in people. And you know, Nezrudin's never kind of going, never having a crack at Allah. No. Right, yeah, and never yeah. having a crack at the Prophet. And, you know, so, you know, there's, there's a sense in which it's, you know, it's look at this wisdom that we have that plays that plays out in life, which I think is slightly yeah. different from some of the spiritual beings you're talking about. Which actually reminds me of the Monty Python film, Life of Brian. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast. I feel like there's Rudin is a Brian figure, yes, much more yeah. than a Jesus figure. Yeah. yeah, well, because the Life of Brian, the story goes that the Pythons wanted to make a film poking fun at Jesus, right? Yeah. And then they sat down and they actually read the Gospels and they went, well, we, we can't make fun of these guys, this guy. And had the realization that actually the the figures that are worth poking fun at are the followers, right? Yeah. So you get the lines like, follow the gourd, no, follow the sandal, right? The, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, two yeah. different paths and the, we're all individuals. I'm not, like yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and the whole film, which is why it's ironic that there were such big Christian Catholic protests at the film when it came out. Because there's almost a sense in which I reckon they saw the film right. They realized it wasn't having a go at Christ. It was having a go at them. Yeah, right. That, yeah. That, that, that's really... And I think that's true of Nasruddin too, right? Like Nasruddin, mm. Nasruddin jokes are never having a go at the Prophet or never having a go at Allah, but they're always having a go at the Muslim community. Yeah. And they're always having a go at these kind of cultural traditions almost as much as anything else. Which is interesting because I think in the jokes that we've had, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure that Nasruddin has ever poked fun at the Christian and the Buddhist in the bar. But maybe he should. Maybe that would be truer to the... I mean, maybe yeah. he should. I mean, I, I am using Nazaruddin as a fall guy probably a little bit more in the jokes. Mm. Um, it's kind of how I'm, how I'm structuring well, him Well, maybe we're jokes. learning something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, but also, Nazaruddin is a fall guy at times, right? Like, yeah, yeah Nazaruddin is not always the one that is poking fun. Nazaruddin is not always the one that is doing the poking. Nazaruddin is often the subject of the poking, but through being that subject is actually, you know, commenting on something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah. I, actually, an interesting link too, I find, is with Nazaruddin is with Zen Buddhism, right? So Zen Buddhism is kind of mm. almost leans into the absurd in a way, and I think yeah. Nazaruddin does that really well. Well, and, and I think there's aspects of Sufism, contemplative tradition in Christianity that kind of, are closer to Buddhism and certainly closer to Zen Buddhism mm. than other parts of the faith. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so there, there, there's a joke that I know of, which I, I have, I'm not, I'm, I'll tell now because I'm not going to actually bring it in as, as the joke of an episode. But like you know, there, there's, a, there's another kind of spin-off of the how many Zen monks does it take to change a light bulb thing, right? And and this one goes off, and, you know, builds on the joke that I did tell in the past, which is you know one to change it, one to not change it, one to both change it and not change it, and then the other one is a fourth one to uh, sit there contemplating the tree in the back of the uh, of the bar and a fifth one to walk around with a sandal on his head. Like, there's just... Sure. There's, there's just That's just the most Zen thing ever is just, yeah. like, just be absurd. Just, you know, find the, the pointlessness Push of everything. Push as hard as and, you can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah which, I th- which I think is a very, a very Nazarudan thing to do. So he's depicted often apparently riding backwards on a donkey. Oh, so that's based on a Nasruddin story. Oh, excellent. Well, tell us the story I'll tell of you the, the, story the backwards of donkey. Nasruddin's story. Um, so, all right, hold on, I'm just going to find it here. Here we go. So uh, one day, uh, Kodja, which is a name for Nasruddin, and his students were on the way to their lesson. Uh, Nasruddin was sitting backwards on his donkey, and, and the students said, Kodja, why on earth do you sit that way? Isn't it uncomfortable? 
And Nezrudin says, oh, I, if I sit the other way, you would all be behind me and we wouldn't be face to face. Riding this way is better. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just this idea of like, and again, it is, it's kind of poking fun at this. Why do we ride donkeys forwards if you're trying to have a conversation with someone? And, you know, again, back in the day when donkeys are a transport mechanism and you, know, you probably want to talk to the people you're riding with. And it's like, well, why don't I just sit backwards and I can, yeah. I can talk to you better. And, you know, yeah, that's kind of the idea, right? Um, so one of the uh, one of the main figures that um, I've come across to kind of help push the Nasruddin story is Idris Shah, who uh, was a um, uh, a Hindu uh, a Hindu Sufi or sorry sorry not a Hindu Sufi that's not yeah, a contradiction. I, I, I think an Indian an, an Indian Punjabi Sufi. Okay, right. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, and um, uh, and it was also, sorry and. And I've also got here an, an, an Afghan author, so right on that, right on that border, border territory. Sorry, so so Punjabi in Afghanistan, or yeah, in yeah. Pakistan and in, in India. Um, and, sorry, he's born in India, went to Afghanistan. Um, but yeah, he has he's written a few books which I think attempt to kind of collate the stories of Nasruddin and kind of put them into, uh, into like a kind of a tome, so to speak. The annotated Nasruddin collection. Well, yes, and yeah. I, think, I think the names are really good, right? So I'll read you out the names of some of them, which are which are great. Um, which are the exploits of the incomparable Mullah Nasruddin, um, the subtleties of the imminable Mullah Nasruddin, and the pleasantries of the incredible Mullah Nasruddin. <laughs> and it's like, that, again, just the most Nasruddin titles Absolutely. you could give to anything, yep. right? Which is yeah. Again, I think Idris Shah, as as a good Sufi does, I think really really hit the hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. Just um, one other, while we're back on Sufism for a moment, yeah. um, one other Sufi is uh, someone who's been on the podcast before, which is the Persian poet Rumi. Oh, Rumi, yes. Was a Love Sufi. Rumi. Yes. Um, and the, the story... Uh, Rumi is the serious Sufi. <laughs> well, so the, the source that I'm getting all my Sufism stuff from today is a book called um, God is Not One uh, by Stephen Prothero. And so in his, his section on Islam, he has a bit about Sufism um, but he makes a distinction between sober and drunk Sufis ah. um, where let me find it here um, if the medium for the sober Sufi is prose and the media reason then the medium for drunken Sufi writers is poetry and the media emotion yeah right um, so the the kind of Sober Sufis are sort of peacemakers, have a sense of the the divine awe, um, but then drunken Sufis are, are more on the mercy and beauty of God, he says. So mm. more about love and ecstasy rather than awe and fear. Mm. Um, so it's the drunk Sufis that are less worried about the, the legal and ritual requirements within Islam. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that makes sense, right? And I think for a tradition that Rooney, does... by the way, he says is a drunk Sufi, right? Because he's a poet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe Nasruddin is a mad Sufi or something, something somewhere else there with the with the. <laughs> the lead. Well, because again, I, or I, at the far extreme, like like yeah. yeah well, but I, I don't even think the drunk Sufi uh, definition applies to Nasruddin, right? Because again, if you're talking about poetry and emotion, I think Nasruddin's obviously not a not a serious Sufi, <laughs> but like but almost but almost comedy and kind of i don't know comedy and you know grounding yourself in the world i think is something different to poetry and emotion in a, in a weird kind of way 
maybe a little maybe maybe poetry is kind of comedy's serious like older brother mm. or something like that yeah I, I feel like the two are interconnected because they both play on your emotions yeah okay um probably in the same way like like the the turn in a poem or in a, a comic story is kind of doing the same thing where it's like oh i thought we we're going here and now all of a sudden we're there yeah okay or can be anyway that makes sense yeah um, do you want to do you want to hear some Nazarudin stories? I, I feel I feel like we can we can we can. A Christian and a Buddhist walked we'll into, into a bar. bar. Nazarudin sitting there backwards on his donkey and take it away. Yeah, I, I feel like we we can we can drop the conceit for this episode and just go straight to the Nazarudin jokes because I because I feel like there's a few worth telling that I, that I've been reading in the um in the in the lead up to this. Um, so Nazarudin went to the psychiatrist and asked if the doctor could split his personality. I split your personality? Asked the doctor. Like, why in heaven's name would you want me to do a thing like that? Because, said Nazarudin, I'm so lonely. <laughs> Which is quite good. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is quite good. Um, all right, so, um, and so Nazarudin rocks up late to work one morning. Uh, and, and, and his boss goes, why are you coming in here late every morning, Mullah? Like, what's going on? And, and Nazarudin goes, it's your fault. You've trained me to so thoroughly not watch the clock while I'm at the office. Now I don't watch it at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another one. Uh, so... Um, What's the idea, asked the boss of his new employee, Nazruddin, of telling me you had five years' experience when now I find out you've never had a job before? I, well, Nazruddin said, didn't you advertise for a man with imagination? Hey. Yeah, let's go on there. Um, there's another good one here I will, I will find and we can, maybe, we can maybe end on this one, which is um, one night a thief entered Nazruddin's house and stole everything he had. Um, after he left, Nazruddin grabbed the first thing he had left, which was, it happened to be a, a colander, a strainer, because he was a secret Pastafarian, um, <laughs> and, and followed him out the door. And he followed the thief all the way home and even tried to go into the thief's house after him. And the thief was like, what are you doing in my house? And Nazruddin was like, oh, you, you brought all our stuff. I thought we were moving here. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah, good. That's yeah. quite good, yeah. yeah. Um, Whatever source those were from, more more of that in the joke. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, they're hard to hard to creep in sometimes. But yeah, look, <laughs> look, I, I, look, if we're happy to go with the conceit, we we can now say a Christian and Buddhist walk into a bar and Nazrudin's there, and then just have Nazrudin tell a story from his life. If we're happy to go down the Nazrudin joke path, we'll see how we go. If you have thoughts on this idea, general quality of jokes, all of that stuff. You can get in touch with us at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. That's right. And our music is by Kevin McLeod, who is actually the great, great grandson of Nazrudin. Kevin McLeod gets older and older every time <laughs> we have a conspiracy theory about him. Uh, if you like the podcast, tell your friends. If you don't, tell them anyway. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>